I'm wrapping this up, and I just thought of all these things that we've learned and things, and, and, I, and I know for me, I, I want life change. If there's a pet peeve, and I'm thinking, man, God can do so much in our lives, and if for any Christians that will just settle for just blah and lukewarm, and this is just the way it is, and I'll never change, I'm like, you don't know the Spirit of God. We were called by God to not remain the same. We were called by God to be different. And it's not that we just amp up and like, I'm going to be different. No, the Spirit of God works inside of us to change us from the inside out. We should be on fire for God, passionate, serving, running the race, not just getting by. We have got to get past being that generation that we just exist or I'm just struggling in life. Life is a struggle, but praise God, greater is he that is in me that he's in this world. I'm sorry, are you guys awake this morning? I, I need you guys to participate. Just, if you love Jesus this morning, say amen. I'm, I'm telling we we are on the winning side. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I, I, I hear in this passage, when he gets to that part, he says, talking about quench not the spirit and grieve not the spirit of God. Man alive, what does God want to do with us when he's saying, don't hinder what God wants to do. Let the spirit of God work in your life as a mom and dad. Be on fire for God. Go all out. Man, live with passion and conviction. Don't just get by in life. But in order to do that, he says, let me address some things. Some things that need to change that don't line up with the Spirit of God. Some things that recognize you or identify you with the old man, not the new man. I, I want to be what God has called me to be. And I know that I'm led by that through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God. I, I'd like to just read and just go through the whole thing. Everything that we've studied so far, let's just start at the top and let's just work our way down. So here we go, Ephesians 4.22. I won't comment on it, I just want to read it. And, and if you've been here for the last five weeks, then you've allowed the Spirit of God just to teach you and walk us through this. So he says in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt, according to deceitful loss, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Then you put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down in your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the years. Be, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as for God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. It closes out this chapter with one last punch, one last command, one last habit. And it's simply just forgive. You say, why, why would he close that out without all these things? Because the truth of the matter is, we all mess up. Every single one of us. I know I shouldn't get mad, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do it. I know I shouldn't lie, but we're going to do it. And I'm not just saying justify. Well, if we're going to do it anyways, may as well. I'm not saying that. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him and his sin. 
Okay, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, okay, that's not a license of sin. But it's admitting that we live in the flesh and when we mess up, we get it right. Doesn't matter if you're mom, dad, church leader, teenager, whoever you are, when we mess up, we get it right. And he closes with this because he knows who we are. He knows that we're in the flesh. We know that we do these things. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. But what does that mean? Forgiveness simply means that we deal with it. You mess up, you offend, you hurt others. The Bible is literally meaning that you deal with it. People will hurt you, a fact in life, okay? People are going to let you down. People are going to irritate you. People are going to hurt you. Let me even tell you, I will let you down. So you shouldn't do that. You're the pastor. I know, but I can promise you I'm as human as you are, okay? I'm going to let you down. Your parents are going to let you down. Church leaders are going to let you down. It's just part of our, our, our life. Good people that love you are going to let you down. And the thing about it is it hurts. So what do we do? This is human nature. You, you cross me, you upset me, you offend me, I am done with you, I wrote you off, I, I don't want to see your face, I'm not talking to him anymore, I'm, I'm tired of him, if that's the way that he's going to be, I, I'm just cutting him out of my life. There's a big problem with that. That is the work of Satan, not the work of God. That is not okay with God. That is not biblical to cut people off, to write people off. There's a big problem with this because if you go back to verse 25, you know what he said? Wherefore, put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. You know why? For we are members one of another. Here's the crazy thing. Do you realize that God has created us to be the body of Christ? So this is a visual right here. So here's the thing. I am the hand and you're the foot. I get mad at my foot and I'll say, you know what? I'll deal with you this way. I'll just cut you off. You know what we end up having as the church? A bunch of zombies bunch of Frankensteins. We're wondering why the gates of hell are pushing us around because the church is limping forward. He realized that the armies that we're against, and the Bible talks about the promise that he gave us, upon this rock I will build my church. The rock is strong. The rock is the word of God. The rock is Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell, everything that Satan has to throw at us and come at us with, cannot prevail against the church. Then I have a big question for you. Why does it feel like so often Satan's winning? Why is it that he can push the Christian around and push homes around and push marriages around one after another? We have casualties. Could it be because we don't listen to the word of God and we start cutting people off that we need in our lives? You need me and I need you. And there's going to be times that we upset each other and we offend each other. And we have to do it biblically where we get it right. And we don't cut each other off. It's the way God has called us to be. We cut them off. It's, it's, it's sad that we spread it this way. Get on Facebook. Satan loves division. You know what I'm talking about? We, we're not going to say, I'm mad at so-and-so. That's not what we do. We'll just make some sort of post or comment like, you just can't trust people anymore. You know who you are. You guys know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? You know what I'm saying? You know, this is all you're doing. You're out there, you're just fishing for somebody to be like, oh, what happened? It's called gossip, okay? Just, just to lay it out there. We could call it, I'm just, you know, being social on social media. No, it's called gossip. 
You're, you're, you're gossiping. You're spreading discord around. And by the way, if you put out there some sort of whining comment like that, how are we supposed to respond? You know, cheer you on or say, oh, me or I'm in. And there's no way for a Christian to properly respond to that because you're not doing it the right way. And Satan just steps in. Remember that passage? He said, neither give place to the devil. How often are we giving the devil opportunity to step into our marriages, step into our lives, and, and just push us around? It shouldn't be this way. Jesus knew this, that Satan is all about division. He said in Matthew 12, 25, and Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. A house, a family, a church divided against itself cannot stand. It's going to fall apart. Can I say that there is biblical principles when they're put in place and we live them out, God blesses these things. God takes care of us in this way. So here's the truth. Offenses don't just go away. To, to, To say, well, I'm just done with them. I'll just write them up. No, no, no. Offenses don't just go away. It doesn't work that way. It would be nice if it did, but all we'd have is division. God didn't make it that way. The Bible says, put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt. So you got to understand that any of these things that we're talking about that are wrong, the words that come out of your mouth, anger, malice, bitterness, all that list of things that we talk about, him that stole, let him steal no more, all those principles. He said, if you have them in your life, they're corrupt. So offenses are not like headaches. Because sometimes, oh, I've got a headache. I'll, I'll just get through this. I just need, to, I need a cup of coffee or I, I, I just need to sleep it off or whatever and, and let it go away. Offenses are more like a splinter. What happens to a, fin- a splinter? It has to be removed. If a splinter is not removed, what happens? It gets infected. And then what happens? It spreads. If it's in your foot, then it spreads up your leg and then into your body. And all of a sudden, you become uh, literally infected in your whole body as a result of something so small. It's amazing how you can have an infected tooth. And that infected tooth can affect your whole body. Satan knows that. So he's, the, the whole thing is just ignore it and let it, but what it festers, it doesn't fester in like we would think about like, like the infection. It, it festers bitterness. Oh, and it's there. You get around somebody and they mention that person that you're offended over, you're upset at, and they go, you know, I was like, what was that? Oh, nothing. You know, just like, it's nothing. Don't even get me started with it. You, you don't have to say anything. Your mouth and your face said it all. Your expressions, the rolling of the eyes, how you're acting towards them, it, it says it. Just spreads discord. Well, what's the matter? I, I didn't know anything was wrong. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Really? Okay, you talk to me. You know, and just Satan gets his foot in, in the door every time we do those kind of things. The Bible says that it doesn't just go away, it destroys. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You've got to get it out. It, there, there's going to be things that affect you And if you let it infect you, it will affect you in every aspect of your life. The Bible teaches us to be tenderhearted. The first word that we come to before forgiving one another, it says in there, let us be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Why do you think the Bible says that we should be sensitive to, okay, that's wrong, or I offended, or something wrong there? You know, maybe it wasn't the fact that something was said. You just pass them in the hallway, and they act a little off. and like, hmm, I wonder if something's wrong there. Tenderhearted, sensitive, not oversensitive. I'm not talking to be paranoid. But the Bible says the opposite of being tenderhearted is hard-hearted. When these things come into our lives, 
You get bitter and mad toward that person to the point where like, oh, is so-and-so going to that activity? Yeah, I'm not going. Is so-and-so going to be going to teen camp or that activity? Well, I'm not going. I don't want to be in the same room with that person. Satan loves that because he pulls you away from truth and the things that should be in your life. Offenses or sin that is not dealt with does not just go away. It destroys. The Bible even says sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Infections bring forth death if it's not dealt with. Here's the second thing. Not all, the, the, the Bible talks about how, how, do, how do we deal with this? We follow the example of Jesus Christ. He even gives us this as part of this instruction. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Has anybody in here ever let God down? Can I get an amen, raise your hand or whatever, just be real with me? We've all let God down. Now I got a second question. Has he forgiven you? Let me ask you again. Has he forgiven you? He forgives you. Thank God God doesn't treat us like we treat others. That's the whole example. He said, let me give you an example of this. If you offend God, and we do on a regular basis, we let God down. And by the way, he's never done anything to hurt us. Never. Not once has he ever let me down, but on a continuous basis, I let him down. You know what I do? I just run to the Father, fall at his feet. He forgives me, picks me up. You want to know the example of that God has given us? Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. How many times has he done that? Sometimes like, I've already done that once. I'm not doing it again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How many times has Christ forgiven you? And by the way, if Christ is our example, and he literally is, Jesus said, how many times we forgive? Seven times. And he said, seven times 70. He was given this exaggeration of how much we should forgive. And you have that attitude that, well, I hit my threshold and I'm not going to forgive anymore. And all of a sudden you put yourself above God saying that I'm going to be like that. You then puffed up with pride so much that you literally put yourself above the example of Jesus Christ. Let that be your mindset. Let that come to your mind when you think, I'm not going to forgive them. Are you better than God? Are you, have we literally got to that point where I know Jesus did it, but I'm better than that? Or I, I, I have something to hold over their head that I have the right to not do the right thing even when Jesus Christ himself gave the example of this? I, I made a mistake one time. Just one time. Um, I know I was, uh, I had uh, a service that I was supposed to meet with a family to plan out. And I messed up. I, mess, I messed up. I messed up. I mean, even Jane said, don't forget to call them because they need to set that up. I said, no, no, no problem. Well, we were going to a youth event. It was in Cincinnati. This was like 15 years ago, a long time ago. And uh, we, we were going out of, out of town. And um, I got there and I forgot. I totally forgot. But I got a phone call from them. And I was like, oh, have you ever had that moment where you see the number and you're like, oh, I was supposed to call them. I didn't. I was supposed to set up a meeting, whatever. So I walked outside, stepped out of the meeting, went out to the back porch. I remember standing there. And I remember my opening words were, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I totally, totally messed this up. I totally, I, I owned it. I, I did it. I felt so bad. And it's not even like I could say, hey, I'll just run over. I couldn't. I was in Cincinnati. I remember explaining my case and, just, and, and they responded to me and they said, Pastor Tony, I do not forgive you because this is unforgivable. I, I can't begin to tell you on my end of it how helpless that made me feel. 
And, and it, it did. It, was, it, it caused an issue. It was bad. It was bad. We do the work of Satan when we hold offenses over people's heads when that offense has already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We spread discord and divide the church to where we weaken the mission of God because of the fact is that somebody will leave the church or somebody will leave a fellowship or leave a life group or whatever over something that could easily have been dealt with if we did it right. Jesus did not ignore our offenses whatsoever. He came to deal with our offenses. It means that we deal with it. We follow the example of Jesus and we do this by confronting the offense. Now, if you've ever been in church for a while or whatever, what I'm about to give you is not going to be like news. But maybe it should be a good reminder. Maybe it should be the first introduction if you've not heard this before. But Jesus knew that we would encounter problems. So Jesus, in the, the teaching of Jesus Christ himself while he walked the earth, gave us these instructions. Now, this is it. He said, step one, we go to them. He said, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. Here's step one. If there's a problem, if you get upset with somebody, if you think someone is upset with you, if you, if you have that feeling that there's division or distance or whatever, the Bible makes it very clear. This is what you do. You go to him. The instructions are very clear is how he says it. He says, you go to him and him and you alone. You know why he says that? Because it's not supposed to be gossip. You could be wrong. And all of a sudden you're saying, I think so and so. Our, our mouths begin to assume or speculate. And all of a sudden we're spreading discord when it could have been dealt with if we went to the person directly. It doesn't say to put it on Facebook. It doesn't mean to spread it on any social media. And we know how that is. This does nothing good. Have somebody come to you and say, hey man, I heard that you called me ugly. I say, no, I never called you ugly. I called my brother ugly. That's a different story. But clarify it. I didn't mean to say that. Or I saw you in the hallway, felt like you were ignoring me. Oh man, I was just on the other way. Do you understand a lot of times when you're going through issues in life that they're not really offenses, they're misunderstandings. They're misunderstandings. Like when, when you didn't call me back or you texted me this and you said this and I was really offended over it and you go, oh, that was autocorrect. I didn't say that at all. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, he never got a text back from you. Well, I, I, I got it while I was driving and then I meant to text you when I got back and I forgot about it. You guys, you, anybody relating to any of this happens to us all the time. Or your tone where you're in a hurry and you're doing something and say, but you were, really, you were really short with me the other day. And it's like, oh, I didn't mean to be that way. I, I, I didn't think anything about it. But all of a sudden that offense can get in our mind. And man, our minds can be a, a, a play, playground for the devil where he just stirs us up. Man, what did I do? I never did anything. You go to the next thing, you're avoiding them and, and they think you're avoiding them. And, and it just grows and it grows and it grows and it doesn't have to be that way. And, it's, and all of a sudden, you just go to them and say, hey, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, of course it's okay. You say, what if I'm wrong about it? I promise you'll never go wrong doing the right thing. Never. The Bible actually says if you go to them, you'll gain a brother. If you go to them, all of a sudden, you're going to rekindle the relationship. Man, I love you. I appreciate the fact that you even went out of your way to say that. It means the world to me that you care that much about this. You guys know what I'm saying? It's so simple, but Satan loves to get involved in these things. And then you say, what if that doesn't work? Okay, the Bible has plan B, okay? 
Moreover, if thy brother trespass, go and tell him the fault between thee and thee alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If they will not hear you, step two is you bring somebody with you. And this is what God was telling us to do because all of a sudden you bring in a third party that has uh, be able to narrate between you two and be able to coach and be like, okay, you're reading into that. Okay, that's not what they said. Uh, okay, that, that's offensive. You need to own up to that. That's what Christian fellowship is. Iron sharpens iron. Why do we go that far with it? Because we're the body of Christ. We're connected to one another. We are members one of another. Because trying to keep us strong and healthy as we move forward for the glory of God. The Bible's literally saying if they refuse to listen and there's a deeper problem and step into that problem, bring another brother to step into that problem. Number three, bring it before the church. The step one and two does not work. And if you shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if you neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Say, man, that's far. You know, it's crazy how some churches in, in, in today, we're all about not offending. It's like, oh, we can't do that. Do you realize that if the Bible says to do something, it's the right way and the only way to do something? It, there's, there's no compromise. There's no other way to do it. It's, if, it and we try, to, we try to make it go another way because it seems offensive. And all you do is corrupt the church and corrupt lives. It doesn't work. The Bible is our absolute final authority. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible has a reason for everything that it says. Let's go back to that splinter. And it's there and it's not being dealt with. And the idea is, I don't see anything wrong with it. And somebody comes and says, hey, that needs to be fixed. I don't see anything wrong with it. When it spreads, it spreads and it begins to affect the whole body. When there is discord in the church family and it's not dealt with, or discord even in your own family and it's not dealt with, it spreads and it spreads. Church splits happen and families divide and there's family reunions and Thanksgiving dinners where the family hasn't gotten together in five, six years over an argument that happened five years ago. And Satan pushed that. Here, here's the thing. The kids need grandparents. You need that uncle, that aunt, that mother-in-law in your life. And a lot of these things could be fixed if we would just stop being prideful. Yes, prideful. We build ourselves up saying, I'm not going to forgive or I'm not going to confront it or they can come to me. Praise God, God didn't wait for us to go to him. He came to us. We love him because he first loved us and gave himself for it. He stepped into our mess and confronted the issue. By the way, we're Christians anyways. We, we are to follow the model of Jesus Christ. If you have a lost brother or sister in Christ or whatever, we should be making uh, the first move anyways. The Bible said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Listen to this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. You know what the word endeavoring means? Fight for it. Man, fight for it. I don't want to deal with it. No, we're going to deal with it. You know why? Because you are my brother. And I love you. And man, it takes prayer and it takes persistence and it takes the word of God and it takes doing the right thing. Forgiveness means that we deal with it. We do not accept division. We do not let Satan step in. We deal with it. Number two, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. I, um, there's a famous saying that says just forgive and forget. It's not real. It's not real. I'd love it if that was true. It's like, okay, just take it out of my mind. 
Somebody stabs you in the back, a best friend stabs you in the back, or somebody does something to hurt you or harm you, whatever. I told you that that story, okay, about somebody on the other end saying, you're unforgivable, I cannot let this go. Some sins are just unforgivable. I told you that was 10, 15 years ago. I can't forget. Sticks in your mind. So the whole idea of just like sitting in marriage counseling and like, he, he forgave me, but he doesn't forget. So, so the question is, how do we truly deal with this? Well, Ephesians 4.32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It, it's, it, this visual of this is powerful because of the thing is, the Bible tells us over and over again that God forgives and removes our sin from us, but he's omniscient. He doesn't, he's all-knowing. You, you guys know what I'm saying? So, The Bible gives us this visual, blotting out the handwritten ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. I love this visual of this. Okay, so you can imagine the handwritten ordinances against you, like whatever you did wrong. And all of us have this list. You guys know what I'm saying? We all have a list. Tony got mad at God. Tony got mad at his family. Tony, Tony doubted God, and, and, and Tony, you know what I'm saying, that handwritten ordinance. And the Bible says what Jesus did with our handwritten ordinances or the list of the offenses that we did, he, he took it and he nailed it to the cross. It, literally, it's just, he, he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You know what the cross is a symbol of? It's a symbol of death. It's a symbol of where things have to be crucified and things have to die. He took it and said, listen, I know that hurts us. And I'm going to tell you, I wish I had a cross that I could sit here. And, 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 and Jesus like nailing it to the cross, visually of nailing it to the cross. If it died, it's done. Communion is about to be a reminder of that as we talk about this. But I love the idea that he said and he took it out of the way because it was between us and God and there was hurt between us and God and God literally was taking it out of the way. The Bible says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. How is that possible with God? That's why God does. The Bible talks, let's let my phone be sin, okay? This is, this is the sin. The Bible says, literally, this is what we do often. It's like, I forgive you. You know what I'm saying? I forgive you. And the next argument that comes up, I'm like, why did you do this five years ago? We bring him back up. Constantly throwing in the face of other people and our, our spouses and people like that. Constantly throwing it up to their face. That's not what God does. Thank God that's not what God does. The Bible says that he covered it on the blood of Jesus Christ, nailing it to the cross. And here's how he deals with us, okay? My sin, this is how he deals with us. Taking it out of the way. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to throw it in your face. Does God know he's omniscient? Okay, God is an all-knowing God. But he takes it out of the way so he can deal with me. And the illustration that God's giving us with that is the same thing of taking it out of the way. You say, why does this matter? How we deal with sin. How we deal with one another. It's as simple as this. For you, sometimes we're in darkness. That was us, guys. Sometimes we were in darkness. Before, if I was to tell you where I came from, I was in darkness. Before you were saved, you were in darkness. I did dumb things. We gave that illustration of the stage being dark and then the light comes on. Okay, now I can see. But now ye are the light in the, world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. I, I wish we'd see the bigger picture of this. When God calls to change us, he's not just trying to change us to say, don't do this. And sometimes we view church like that, okay? And maybe, maybe that's wrong. Don't cuss. Don't say bad things. 
Don't lie. Don't get angry. Don't, don't, don't. It's not about the don'ts. In the middle of that, he said this verse. He, he gave us this, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You know what it means to grieve? It means the heart. It's not about what we should not be doing. It's what God wants to do. God can't dwell and use sin. He can't. To harbor bitterness in your heart, to have anger against brothers, to have division in the church, God can't use sin. He died for it to take it out of the way so that it would not hold us back. And every time we live in that life of living in sin, you know what we do? We quench the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about grieving the Spirit of God. In Thessalonians, it talks about quenching the Spirit of God. It gives the visual of Jesus Christ or the Spirit of God being like a fire. About God wanting to illuminate the world and, and there being a power and a force and that dunamis power that he talked about in Acts 1.8 about, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I'm not talking about being weird with this. I'm talking about I've got something in me that God's called to make a difference in the world. I'm called to be a dad that's different. I'm called to be a leader that's different. You're called to be a mom that's different. It's not about the don'ts. It's about what we are called to do. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. When God shows up in a situation, things change. When God shows up in our families, the atmosphere changes. It is the Spirit of God. We talk about the world being so dark and cold and gloomy and messed up. Be the light. Be the fire. When our kids are saying, I don't see the Spirit of God working and the services are dead and the, the atmosphere is dead and all mom and dad do is fight all the time and there's no moving of God, is it because we've quenched the Spirit of God? Because we can't control our mouth. Can't control our anger. I think of the verse that we use all the time. It's one of the theme verses that you can buy shirts with it in our bookstore, in our merch store. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we ask or think. If what God wants to do in my life, in my kids, in my marriage, me as a pastor, it's like, he, God says, if you just knew what I had for you, it's more than you could imagine. But it comes down to the end of the verse that we often leave off according to the power that worketh in us. If I am quenching the spirit, the fire, the passion of God living in me, and I'm wondering why the world is going to hell and there's no difference to push back the darkness, it comes as a result of me quenching the spirit of God in my heart because that's how God chose to work. So yes, there's things that should be removed from our lives and we can sit there and say, that Baptist church talks about da 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 and it's not about that. I'm more about what God has called me to, to live with passion and zeal and to make a difference. And for the world to see something different, that, that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit of God that pushes back the darkness of this world. Because you know what? The gates of hell cannot prevail against what God's doing here. But I'll tell you, he'll push us around all day long if we do it in our flesh, not in the Spirit of God.